for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. This may be one of the best episodes we'll have had when it comes to content we could talk about from the last week. I mean, it was an epic week in sports. It was an incredible weekend. Just watching NFL games, if it was only NFL games. But then there was the World Cup final, which I know you don't give a shit about. Of course, we're going to lead with South Dakota State and North Dakota State finally living all of our dreams and mm -hmm. playing each other for the national championship and getting three weeks to build up, which it, it appears to me, and that, that this will be my A topic, a, a newfound, if not hatred, dislike for one another, just basically social media born by the uh, mm -hmm. horns down thing from the jackrabbits that you shot uh, in the postgame press conference. But I do, I do want to address a topic that happened right here at the Gateway right before we went on where you know, we've been sitting here you know, bullshitting over a beer for a little bit before we start, as usual, and then we both, okay, okay it's time to start, and we both at the same time got up to go take a piss, <laughs> and then you proclaim, and you were the first one to say those words out loud, and we did not go together because we are men, <laughs> and men aren't women. I actually wanted to say to you, you can come with <laughs> if you want. It's not weird. <laughs> like who, but you the, don't want to leave your they, stuff oh, unattended. The, <laughs> you know, I, I assumed it, that nope, was going to be your excuse. It, it had nothing wanna... to do with my radio equipment. Right, I am well, fairly trusting record, of people I, here. I am perfectly it was comfortable just, urinating it, next to you. It was just how like we've been here for whatever 45 minutes and neither of us have taken a piss and now we're going to go at the same time and i guess yeah what would be that would that wouldn't be that strange but i think nine in nine cases out of ten most guys would do the same thing oh i'll wait even though there's three open places to piss in there uh we're gonna we're nope we're not we're not going at the same time we're, we're not women like that so i i i figured that would be your you kind of hinted that that was your thought like really you're just you want to wait here? You're not going to go now? <laughs> Just, okay. So I did. All right. Not judging, John. Well, you no one. You. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, does, does, it feel, does it feel like anything new or at least jump-started has happened now with the Jackrabbit and Bison fan bases, et cetera? Even not even, not even from the horns down Thing from the Jackrabbit players after the game, but just from the fact that here we are. We finally have it now. And here's what I sense just from reading some social media, et cetera, is that this gives, uh, this perks North Dakota State fans up a little bit from their, mm -hmm. from their lulls and their boredom of being so absolutely dominant and in, in this being their ceremonial rite of passage every single January. Like they have, they got a little piss and vinegar now to get in them because they're playing the Jacks and uh, I mean mainly because they're playing the Jacks yeah they've lost three straight it's hard to straight. say like what the to take the temperature of the rivalry because on the one hand SDSU has dominated the series of late they've won five of the last seven on the other hand they've never beat them in the playoffs much less in Frisco and I think a lot of NDSU fans who were down on their own team this year uh, getting back to Frisco sort of rekindles their fire a little bit. It's like, you might get us in the regular season. You might even get us in the playoffs, you know, in the quarters or the semis. But we get to Frisco, baby. 
it's all over. Frisco is our town. We yep. own this. So a lot of the same Bison fans who have been shitting on their own team and saying Matt Entz needs to go and, oh, my God, the Jacks are so much better than us and how embarrassing is it that SDSU is better than us, they're suddenly back on the we are invincible and the Jacks are dead Thank train. you. That's what I was sensing. Okay. And I, th I I like that. I, for yeah. I don't even think it's necessarily a, a ridiculous stance to take. I no. mean, until someone beats them there, by all means. Yeah. Having said that, uh, I thought some of the the reaction to that photo was a little bit like, well, what do you expect? You know, that is the next team they're playing. You know, and I know we're supposed to like, oh, my God, don't give them bulletin board material. But guess what? NDSU already has plenty of bulletin board material. They've lost to them three times in a row. This is the first time ever they've got to play each other in Frisco. Uh, this is going to be a big game. And, yeah, I mean, I can tell you I know for a fact SDSU coaches were not happy about that photo making an appearance. Uh, I can also say um, I was asked to take that photo, so it's not like I was out there trying to trying to uh, you know stir up shit or anything. But you know that's they knew what they were doing when I got my camera out, and they knew when I took that picture I was going to put it on Twitter. And uh, I kind of I, I shouldn't say kind of respect him for it. I totally respect him for it. Good for them. You know I'm sure Caleb Sanders and Tucker Craft got some shit from their coaches after that. They might have even got yell that you know but my hunch is that Caleb and Tucker both are like fine whatever like we knew what we we're doing they know they know what what's coming here I mean this is the biggest football game ever for these guys like why not embrace what's going on why not throw the gauntlet down like that I love it I think it's great and might the Bison win the game of course like we just said they're 9-0 and in Frisco but the idea that they might win because of this, I don't buy that for a minute. No, I don't buy yeah. that. Uh, and I'll say it. Of course, I like it. I enjoy it. I think it, it, it's fun. It gives us right. a little something extra, yeah. little extra well, and sizzle. Not to interrupt you, but you can't, you can't try to put that toothpaste back in the tube now. Yeah. The Jacks players have been doing that horns down thing for like three years now. Just during the NDSU games? Or yes, like, yes. Okay, well, um, just when they're playing NDSU. Yeah, and... Oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers has the same sweater as me. I was going to wear that the other day. <laughs> oh, uh, Big Lebowski do the buy yeah. shirt. Boy, it's tough to dislike Aaron Rodgers today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, that's a red uh, Christmas sweater uh. with uh, the dude from the Big Lebowski yeah. that says the dude to buy. That's, that's, it, a, that's literally in my closet. That's a pretty awesome sweater. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, uh, I'm not sure when they first started doing it, but one of the times they beat the, ja or beat the Bison in Fargo – Logan Backus was photographed running out towards the field, gesturing towards the fans, horns down. Very, ex I mean, it was, he was full on, like, just basically, fuck you, horns down. Yeah. And I was kind of like, wow, I'm surprised he's doing that. To my knowledge, no one told him not to do it anymore because they've continued to do it. When they won in the Fargo Dome in the spring season, TV cameras caught Mark Gronowski going, horns down. If the Jacks coaches or anyone else had a problem with it, they could have said something then. They could have said, could you not? You're just poking the bear. Don't do that. They, so I don't think it's fair to be upset with Tucker or Caleb Sanders and say, oh, you can't do that. They've been doing it. You had your chance to tell them this is not appropriate. You shouldn't be doing that. Once you allowed it, it's open now. It's, it's in the open. That's a thing they do. And that's part of why I don't think Tucker Craft or Caleb Sanders regret. Or like, I think they knew what they were doing. Like, this is what we've been doing. You know, it's been working. So the idea that this is like gonna, you know, create this rage. Monster. You know, yeah, that, that they're gonna. Oh my God, you unleashed the the kraken by doing like no, that would have happened by now because they've been doing the horns down. 
So good for them for just saying, yeah, here we come. Bison, let's go. The it, I guess it surprised me a bit. I didn't know the backstory, and I don't remember the other horns down times, but, I mean, they were doing it right after they just beat Montana State. I mean, part of me thinks, cool, you've turned the page and you're ready. You're ready to go and you're ready to get ready for North Dakota State. That shouldn't be a surprise or an encouraging sign because clearly there, no one's content or totally satisfied at South Dakota State at this point mm -hmm. unless they are playing for the national championship mm -hmm. and then winning it. And at the same time, the notion of that the bison live rent-free in the jackrabbits' heads, which you're laughing at because that's exactly what bison fans think, and by seeing that picture, there's at least a degree of truth in that when that's the first thing they're thinking about and they're doing it intentionally for the cameras at a press conference right know, after but a if, game. But if, but if Caleb Sanders and Tucker Craft knew exactly what they're doing, Who's living rent-free and whose heads, you know? They're the ones that are saying, we're going to do this, and an entire fan base is going to lose their shit yeah. because they can't handle it. Yeah. Well, they were right. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, also, like, just this whole rent-free is just such a stupid concept. Like, you're playing each other in the national championship. You're both thinking about that and nothing else. You shouldn't be thinking about anything else. What are they supposed to be doing? Like, dwelling on... Like, how often do we hear, like, you know, we have the 24-hour rule, celebrate the win, and then it's, we're on to North Dakota State, we're on yeah. to whoever. Yeah. Like, that's where, that's where their heads should be. I think it just shows that they are locked in. I, I, I don't disagree. I was just like, wow, just, it's, that, well, it's, just, it's just that immediate. I was like, geez, okay, let's, we'll, just, we'll just start this right now because I just, I, you know. And I, I'm not coming from the school of that's disrespectful or no, you're I'm, poking the bear. I'm not. I'm not from that camp. And I don't think anyone it's, on SDSU know, side is either. They're I, just saying like, could you not? I'm not even you know? from the act like you've been there before thing. Because I'm not even from that camp. It was just like, wow, right away. Okay, cool. I mean, that's. But again, that's it, what that, this is. That is the culture that that has been established at SDSU. You know, they showboat once in a while. You know, they do stuff like that. If if you want to make the judgment that that means they are you know a dirty program or Stig doesn't have control, you're entitled to that opinion. Uh, that's not me. I was, me I'm either. not from I, the I camp that that's even yeah, showboating. This is I, not the 1950s. I'm not. I don't have this. Football teams need to be run like they're the military sort of bullshit. Yeah. Like I like the fact that they are encouraged to celebrate their successes, allow their individual personalities to shine through. That's a big. That's one of Stig's big things in his Mad Manual. Be an individual within the team. Well, okay, then yeah. don't get pissed off when they do that. Right. It, it, again, I'm just coming from, it was just a little surprising. It was like, wow, it's that, um, what's the word? It's that subliminal or it's that subconscious, I guess, and now conscious that it's just, that's, that's a, not only, of course, you're thinking about that and you're, this is all you ever wanted. And it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool that they clearly wanted to, they want to play North Dakota State. It's not like they want to avoid them or, I mean, I think of several years ago, a few years ago, whenever the last time they played in the playoffs was, I think it was 2018, mm -hmm. uh, it was, and in 2016, which was a year where they went and won in Fargo, then had to go back and play in the playoffs there. In those cases, I think, at least, I'm sure a lot of Jackrabbit fans felt the same way, if not a lot of people coaching and playing up there in Brookings, like, oh, boy. Oh, here we go again. I mean, mm -hmm. we'll embrace the challenge, but my gosh, I mean, we've... We gotta go. We gotta get through these bastards again. And now it's, uh, you know, it, we, it's to the point where it's, hey, it's about time. We 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 want them. We want this in mm -hmm. in the playoffs. 
that's obvious, and that's partly, I think, what that represented. Well, and all, they're the better team. They just are, especially with all the injuries that North Dakota State has. Um, now, granted, they have three weeks to get healthy, so they might be a lot healthier by then. And also, just because SDSU is the better team, and I truly believe they are this year, that doesn't mean they're going to win. You know, sometimes the better team doesn't win. And there's reasons to think the Bison will still win, even though they aren't the better teams. And they're all mostly those intangibles we're talking about. You know, their history being down there, their familiarity with this situation, their understanding and how to deal with pressure and expectations. Um, to, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe the bulletin board material will be enough to swing the pendulum in the other direction. I don't know. Um, but let's, you know, this is still a football game. We can talk about all the hype that's going to lead up to it over the next three weeks. It's a football game. Yep. And South Dakota State is fully healthy. They're loaded and buried the lead here. They just kicked the shit out of a really, really good Montana State team. Oh, I after, think no after North Dakota State <laughs> barely got past an Incarnate Word team that we don't know a lot yeah. about. Yeah. No, uh, we were going to sink our teeth into that. I do think the lead was this this horns down and, and let's just get right to it. Fuck yes, we got NDSU and SDSU in a national title game. That's great. And it adds a little extra sauce to the rivalry. And um, yeah, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna have time and we're gonna have at least one or two podcasts before before this title game to break down matchups and talk about who we think is going to win or what's going to unfold. But I think we can safely sit here say now and say we would be just uh, flabbergasted if either team didn't show up, like if either team laid an egg right. in this game. And I don't think either of us would be surprised with any result. I think I'd be a surprised with a blowout either way, but I don't think either of us would be surprised if North Dakota State won for obvious reasons. They do own that place. They've won it every time they've been. They somehow – and I don't think it's magic. They just do, and they're usually better than the other team they play down there. And they're capable of beating South Dakota State. And I don't think either of us would be surprised if South Dakota State won the game either because there's, there's there, this is the last mental hurdle they have with North Dakota State, and that is playing them in the playoffs, playing them in the title game, and winning a, and winning the national championship. Other than that, you mentioned five of seven. I think it's been three in a row. They know how to mm -hmm. beat these guys. They've already done it this year. So why would that be a surprise if SDSU won? So those are all – the table's all kind of set for that. Um, and – uh, man, I, 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 yeah, it would just, again, stun me if the Jackrabbits just came out and oh, they, they curled up into a ball and here we go, uh, here we go again, well, this time in Frisco sort of thing. I mean, the last two national championships in Frisco, the losing team saw their starting quarterback get injured very yeah. early in the game, and that quarterback in both cases was, you know, the backbone of the offense. Sam Houston State doesn't beat the Jacks if Mark Gronowski doesn't get hurt in the first quarter. And I'm not saying North Dakota State doesn't still beat Montana State last year if Tommy Mallott doesn't get hurt, but it was not even a game. Yeah. Once Tommy yeah. went down, it was over. And it was, ended up being a complete blowout. So I'm, I'm just bringing that up to say I wouldn't be surprised with, well, if a quarterback gets hurt again, <laughs> you know, all bets yeah. are off. Fair. And that playing surface sucks. It's going to be well, it January does. in Texas. It's natural grass. And guess what happens in the winter in Texas? It rains all the time. So let's everyone for both for both teams, fans on both sides, Let's cross our fingers for good weather, a dry field, uh, because that could impact the game in a way that nobody wants. Yeah, both teams are superb at running the ball mm -hmm. and with the quarterback being able to run when needed. And so that takes us back to the Montana State game, which it, it kind of feels like by nature of the beast of, hey, it's Jack and Bison for the national championship, and the Jacks players got, got going really early on that uh, with the horns down thing. Uh, I mean, what a win. 
Because uh, I wasn't aware, because I wasn't paying his attention as closely as you and Jack's fans were to it all week, of how supremely confident, I guess, Montana State was, or at least their fans were, in going in and beating the Jackrabbits at, at J Dana J. Dyke House. And this was, this was, uh, if, if not, it was a blowout. If not dominant. It was not as close it, as it the score a, made itself. It was a no-doubter. Yeah. And um, from my perspective, I'll be up front, you know, I, the, the, the Vikings and Jackrabbits games crossed over, and I, I started with the Vikings game. I was not going to abort watching it to, just to watch the kickoff of the Jackrabbits. And it ended up being the greatest comeback in NFL <laughs> history, and we'll discuss that in a moment. So when I tuned in, it, frankly, it was like 21-6, to 6, and my jaw kind of dropped. I'm like, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. They were well on their way by that point. Uh, 28 yeah. to 6. I think they kicked a field goal at half. It was at 28-9 at halftime. Half yeah. So I got there just kind of right around the time they were driving to kick that field goal. But I saw sometimes images stick out with you, and maybe they don't mean as much as you interpret them. But to see uh, Brett Vegan, Brent, Brent, Brent. Brent Vegan, the head coach, stand there. Uh, he looked like, remember Tom Coughlin when the Giants played the Packers in the NFC Championship game and Tom Coughlin's face looked like it was going to fall off <laughs> when it was zero degrees at Lambeau Field? I'm not sure I remember the reference you're making, but uh, I, can, I can picture it. Giants beating the Packers in overtime at Lambeau 07 before they went on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It was zero degrees in, in Green Bay, and, um, and Tom Coughlin's face was just famously red, if not purple. And you were worried about hypo, hypothermia. Vegan, who I understand cut his teeth and is made out of the mold of North Dakota State football. Tough, aggressive football, and it's worked at Montana State. Um, he, he just, they kept showing it. He just looked frozen like he just did not want to be there. Like, mm -hmm. this is not our day, and I don't think this is going to be working out for us. That's, that's what... Uh, Clearly, the weather can do to everybody involved. I out mean, in I don't weather. know. Montana State plays in frozen. It was I know it was like that at their place last year. I know, but anyway, it was it was an interesting image, especially as the second half went on. He he looked helpless, and they did in the second half look like they were ready to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they came out. They went right down the field and scored a touchdown on their first drive, uh, and it looked like they were going to play two quarterbacks the whole game. And when I say play two quarterbacks, I don't mean rotate. They had them both on the field every play. It looked like that was their game plan. They had done that at times. The Jacks had seen it. But I could be wrong about this, but I think every play before Sean Chambers got hurt, both quarterbacks were in the game for every play. And I was kind of like, wow, this is going to be something. How do you defend that? You know? Um, and then Chambers got hurt. And to Brent Fegan's credit, he didn't – I thought he might try to use that as an excuse. He was like, eh, you know, we still ran our offense because they're both good. You know, he's like, eh. he, he kind of downplayed that, to get to his credit, that he didn't take that sort of free excuse when it was handed it to him. But, I mean, the Jacks' defense just – at the end of the Holy Cross game, when the Jacks won 42-21 in a game that was much closer than that score sounds, mm -hmm. we had just watched Montana State obliterate William & Mary the night before. A couple weeks after, they obliterated Montana in the Brawl of the Wild. They were undefeated. Their only, close, their only loss was to Oregon State. They had roared through FCS competition – by the end of that Jacks win over uh, Holy Cross, I was thinking to myself, man, Jacks aren't going to make it to Frisco. Montana State's going to come in here and beat them. I really was thinking that. I was like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't think they're good enough. And over the course of the week, listening to what both sides were saying and kind of taking a closer look at the Holy Cross game and how things played out and how Matthew Sluka got a lot of his yards – and the adjustments that you knew SDSA would be willing to make, I changed my mind. By Wednesday, I was pretty confident the Jacks were going to win. 
I just felt like this isn't going to happen to him two weeks in a row. You know, and I told you on last week's podcast when I had a conversation with Brian Bergstrom, their former D coordinator, who's now the head coach at Winona, he very much was like, hey, when you don't play well but you still win, he's like, that always helps you. You're going to play better the next week. And they came out and, you know, once they had the game in hand, maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit, but that first half was perfect. I mean, you can't play better football than they did on both sides of the ball. And for that defense to completely shut down an offense – that was basically averaging a million points and yards <laughs> per game. I mean, just not being stopped ever. That was really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, were there were there any flaws, or was this close to a perfect game? Special teams wasn't very good again. Okay. Um, the return game struggled. Um, but otherwise, I mean, like I said, Gronowski was outstanding. Isaiah Davis is getting gigantic chunks of yards, and so was Amar Johnson. They got Tucker Craft involved in the passing game after he hadn't done much. And also you went back and watched the replays of some of Isaiah Davis's big runs, and Tucker Craft was moving people on those plays. I mean, it, it was a, a f- almost flawless performance by the offense, and then the defense, like I said, you're not going to play perfect against an offense with that many weapons. Yeah. Um, but to hold, I think they held him to 200-some yards, like 50 yards rushing. They were averaging 330 rushing yards a game. They had 50. Tommy Mallott had 155 yards rushing in last year's semifinal. This year he had three. I mean, it was – I get why Montana State was so confident. They've been killing everyone, and yeah. then they saw the Holy Cross game. And they're like, well, if Matthew Sluka ran for 213 yards, how many is Tommy Millad going to run for? Well, a little bit of a different story. Correct. And I know you were just alluding to it in what you were thinking in your buildup before the game and your conversation with Bergstrom. But, you know, how did, how did they do it? How did they go from being so lousy – against a, an effective running quarterback one week mm-hmm. and then so solid mm-hmm. and dominant. I think it was twofold. One, the next we, week. we found out that defending quarterback runs that are designed is a lot easier than defending quarterback runs that are scrambling after a play breaks down. And we kind of knew that, but Matthew Sluka got a lot of his yards in that Holy Cross game. He's grabbing back to pass. Nothing's there. He took off running. And Matthew Sluka is a damn good player. And so that was one part of it, kind of knowing, like, we know what these guys are going to do. And you can't really design a scramble. You either call a pass play or a running play. So the Jacks, I think, were like, this is going to be a different style of quarterback run. We can prepare for this. We have rules. We have assignments. We have fits. We have gaps. We have things we can do to make sure we're defending Tommy Mallott or Sean Chambers, whoever it is. Yep. But then the second thing was they just tackled a lot better. You go back and watch the film of that Holy Cross game, man, there were a lot of times that they, they just couldn't tackle him. And some of it was, you know, he slipped out of their hands because he was a good player. Other times it was like, guys going for a strip, guys going for a big hit. I think Stig deserves a lot of credit individually for him saying throughout this week, he's like, I don't want you to go out and make some highlight hit. If you have to, because I don't know if you played football, but a lot of times, like, it's considered cheap or whatever to grab a guy by the jersey to tackle him. You're supposed to wrap him up. You're supposed to hit him. I Stig literally said this week, grab cloth. He's like, you just you just have to do whatever you can to bring him down. There's no style points here. If we're going to win the game, we have to tackle this guy any way we can. So if he's near you, grab his jersey and don't let go. Were there a lot of jersey grabs? I don't know that there necessarily was. I'd have to go back and, and actually watch replays to look for that. But the point is, they did not miss tackles. I mean, he, he's a good player. He's slippery. He escaped a couple tackles, but even when he did, there was another guy right there. 
There was no extending the play. There was no, you know, oh, this guy missed him, so then he got an extra 25 yards. I mean, they swarmed to the ball so well. They tackled so well. So, again, th it was basically a two-part a, a two thing. Being able to defend designed run plays as opposed to scrambling and just doing a really good job of tackling. Brent Vegan said after the game, he goes, really, when you look at these two teams and how similar they are in styles, it was going to come down to who tackled better, hmm. and they tackled better than we did. Well, of course, because on the other side of it, you have Davis and Johnson running for 41 and 38 yards for touchdowns, uh, and certainly that breaks your will as the game goes on. That's what happened in the fourth quarter of the Holy Cross game as well. Just, I mean, basic plays that these guys were just able to bust. And uh, it was fun to watch the, the second half, even though it was kind of boring and the outcome was not in doubt. I can't. I, I just found your stat in your story where Tommy Mallott had three, three yards on 17 carries. Um, that includes a couple sacks, but still, yeah. Yes. Uh, Davis for 158, Gronowski for 52 and a score, 10 of 13, 189, two more touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned Tucker Craft. It was interesting, the week before in the Holy Cross game, of which I watched from beginning to end and was kind of hinging on every – uh, word because Clay Matvick Clay Matvick was calling that game, and he's just sometimes you can tell when a guy actually did his homework and. Well, plus he's from here, so he knows uh, all oh, these and he, teams. Oh, and yeah. I and I know he loves it, but he, uh, you know, the week before they were mentioning uh, Kraft wasn't really heavily involved in catching passes and doing a lot of production in in the way that we're familiar with. And like the play after they mentioned that, he's road grading a guy mm -hmm. on the perimeter on an Isaac Davis run. And then he, Davis, not Isaac. And then he got and then he got into it uh, and then he got get, got a little bit more back into mm -hmm. the pass catching mm -hmm. game for the rest of the way. So when he's in form, I mean if he has a big day, it's gonna be surprising if the Jacks don't win. Is that is that too No, I mean he made a point, and you could tell he, he meant it. He wasn't just giving lip service. He's like, I don't care about my stats. I want to win. Um, and I, if I have to block, I'll block. But in the same sense, he said, yeah, I would have liked more catches the first couple of games, and this week I got them, and that was great. I think it was more of a sense of if the Jacks had lost this game and Tucker Craft only had two catches for 13 yards, you'd be looking at that stat and going, uh, what the hell's that? You know, get your best player involved. They did, and they made an effort to do it early. All right, so there's that. Any thoughts from the North Dakota State Incarnate Word game the night before? Incarnate Word could have and should have won it. Uh, I don't think that means they're better than the Bison, but they were ahead 16 nothing, and they had a chance to go up. I think it would have been 24-3 to or 23-3. to um, A touchdown was overruled because the guy didn't quite have possession of the ball, and then they fumbled on the one-yard line on the next play, and you kind of felt right there like that was your chance to put them away, and you didn't do it. Now, to Incarnate Word's credit, they go from up 16 nothing to down 24-16. So you're like, this is over. You know, you lost the momentum. It's in Fargo. The Bison are going to roll. Incarnate Word bounced back, and they took the lead late. They still had a chance to win the game. And I think Incarnate Word's a good team. Their quarterback's a tremendous player. Um, and, and I'm also not going to – I'm certainly not saying the Jacks should be the favorite in the national championship because, well, they dominated their semifinal and North Dakota squeaked by in that. What we just saw is evidence that that doesn't mean anything because Montana State rolled in their quarterfinal and the Jacks struggled a little bit in theirs. You, it's just you win, you win, you advance. Um, but I think it showed – I think Cam Miller was one of 12 passing in the game. 
You know, is he going to be able to do that against the Jacks for them to win? No. But also, he picked them apart when they played in Fargo. You know, I think he completed his first 10-11 passes in that game. That's how NDSU jumped out to that 21-7 lead was Cam Miller throwing all over him. Biggest thing with NDSU, I think, right now is how healthy can they get by January 8th? They've got a lot of injuries. I haven't paid close enough attention to their personnel to know, like, what the timetable is on those injuries, if guys are going to be coming back or not. But they do have three weeks. That's a long time. Uh, so if they're healthier by then, that'll help them. It's like I said, the Jacks are just the better team this year. I, I truly think they are, and I don't mean any offense to NDSU by saying that. That's just how good SDSU's been. But that doesn't mean that they're guaranteed to win the game. Yeah, we, we can dive more into the North Dakota State vantage point of being the juggernaut at this level but not being as good as it usually is and maybe showing kinks or is it chinks in the armor or kinks in the armor? Both can work. Okay, thank you. Even though both sound like inappropriate words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, despite the fact that they're still winning national titles. We've been hearing that for a while. And you know? it's, just, it's just bizarre to say that about anybody, but it's if you put it up with the magnifying glass, it, it really is true. If you're paying attention, it really is true. It, it, it's, they still win, but it's not the same, and, and we'll see. The... They've, it's it's incredible that they have never lost a national championship game. They are nine and nine. Are they that much better than every team they've played? I'm sure not every team, because I'm sure some of them. I know some of them went down to the wire. But that that is crazy. They have nine. They didn't lose one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will make the victory all the more uh, impressive and sweet if the Jacks win. But also give some more evidence that. Ooh, they're, you know, ooh, they're, they, they, they might be slipping a little bit. It's just weird to say that about a, a team and a program like that. But Yeah, I mean, that's how great they were, I guess. You know, when the on Selection Sunday, it's like, oh, how did the Bison get a higher seed than Montana State? And they maybe didn't deserve it based on the, the resume of both teams, but it was almost like the Bison lose two games and people act like they're 7-4 and four or something, you know? Yeah. It's like their two losses were to Arizona, a Pac-12 team, and I know usually the Bison win those games, so that's maybe why people reacted to it the way they did, but their two losses were to Arizona, and the Jacks were the number one team in the nation. Like, that's still a pretty good resume. People acted like they were limping into the playoffs or something as they weren't this good of a team. Like, no, they're still the Bison. Are they as dominant as the teams that went 15-0 or 14-1? Maybe not, but those teams had flaws too. It's not like they won all those national championship games 55 to nothing. You know, getting there was the tough part, and a lot of times they did win the game fairly easily. But I mean, 2014, uh, a Jacks team that was eight and four had a lead on the Bison in the Fargo Dome with a minute to go in the yep. playoffs. Couldn't quite hold on. Um, I th- might have been that same year or somewhere around there when they played Illinois State in the national championship game. The other Valley versus Valley national team, Indiana State or Illinois State had that game in the bag. I'd, it's so long ago, I don't remember the details at the end anymore, but I remember they had the lead, and it looked like, oh, they're finally going to end this thing. And nope, North Dakota State found a way to win it again. I mean, they've done it over and over and over again. Yeah, that was back when they had nearly only won three in a row or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seems like ages ago. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll address it, because we, we have been. Fill in the blank. 7,100-plus in Brookings on Saturday to you meant... Uh, that's a hard way to frame the question. I don't know how to necessarily answer it that way. I would just say I thought it was okay given that it was 
brutally cold. It out was there. awful. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Exp I had. See, I wouldn't want to be out there. I had kind of thought, okay, if there's six thousand for the first two games, when it was twenty-five degrees, there's going to be like three thousand when it's down to zero. But then early in the week, I heard that no, they're selling better. I think a lot of fans did kind of say, okay, I didn't go the first two weeks. Now I'm going to go because this is for a chance to go to Frisco. This is for all the marbles, so to speak. And it looked like more than 7,100. I'm not saying that that number is incorrect. I'm just saying, like, by the time the game started, we looked around and said, this is a pretty good crowd, all things considered. And they were loud and engaged, as they have been all throughout the thing. So yeah. um, at this point, it is what it is. I mean, we're all, you know, fans get tired of me complaining about it. I'm not even complaining about it. I'm just reporting on it. Um, I'm kind of tired of talking about it. I mean, it, it is what it is. That's just, you know. As long as they're playing outdoors in December, the, obviously there's a limit to how many people are going to be there. I think if you, if the Vikings would have played on Sunday and this would have happened where you would have, it would have had your full attention, you'd probably spend more time on this because it's hard to go back and forth with you about this since you didn't, you didn't see the, the Vikings game come back, yeah. the Minnesota Vikings come back. Did you, did you allow yourself to go back uh, and watch any of it or see oh. some highlights, read uh, about it? Well. I was, was listening the damnedest to it, thing. I was listening to it on the radio as it started. Yeah. And 10 nothing. I'm like, Jesus. And it's 17 nothing. And it's like, oh, they're, like when it was 10 nothing, I was like, terrible start, but this is the Colts. You can still win. Yep. Then when it got to 17 nothing, I was like, oh, all right, great. You're going to lose again at home to a crappy team with a chance to win a division title. And then I think a field goal made it 20 to nothing, maybe. And by this time, I'm on the road to Frisco with McCleary in the car with me, and I just turned it off. I was like, this is over. I don't need to listen to this. I don't need to make someone else listen to it, too. You know? And uh, so we get to Brookings and get set up and have lunch. And, you know, I'm not paying any attention to it. And uh, I check my phone, and I see it's 33 nothing at halftime. And I'm just like, ha! Huh! You know, good job, guys. Way to go. Yeah. And uh, I saw a few people on Twitter comparing it to the 41 nothing donut in the... Uh, the 2000 NFC Championship game. Certainly feeling a lot like the 41-3 game that I was at with the Cowboys in town. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I just obviously kind of, well, that's over. I don't mm -hmm. have to. And it was like, good. I don't have to worry about it or keep tabs on it while I'm watching the Jacks. I can just focus on the Jacks. And then I was sitting next to Andrew Holton from the Brookings Register, and he had the game on his computer screen. I don't think the Jacks game had started yet because Jacks game didn't start till 3. Right. And... Uh, I saw that he was watching it, and at one point I looked over and it was 36 to seven. And I was like, well, hey, at least they scored. At least they're not getting shut out. And then went back to not really paying attention. And then I was busy doing something else, and Andrew actually tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, look. And I look at the screen and it says 36-21. I was like, oh. And, and it was 36-21 and they were driving. They were about to score again. They scored to make it 36-28. I'm like, holy shit. He's like, I know, right? And we both kind of made the joke, like, it would be the most Vikings thing ever to come all the way back and tie, like, either score the touchdown and not get the two-point conversion, right. or get the two-point conversion, tie the game, and then still find a way to lose. Yep. Um, so I, I wasn't privy to any of the, I, the only touchdown I saw was the one that made it 36-28 and then the two-point conversion. And, uh, but that we, I, there was a minute there, because the Jacks game had started by then, that the people in the press box we're not paying that much attention to the Jacks game. <laughs> Everyone was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, history is happening here at the Vikings game. And you could tell everyone was either looking at their phones or their computer yeah. screens more than they were watching. So it's like, 
Jacks are ahead 21 6. It's like, yeah, good. Okay. Anyway, you know, <laughs> there's yeah. that the brief moment. And then he made the field goal. It's like, holy shit, that happened. All right, anyway, back to this playoff game we're all here to watch. Right. Well, the. Uh, I'm usually, when it's 33 0 of any game, of course, I'm tuning out at halftime. And maybe not a Chiefs game, because I'm a Chiefs fan and the nature of their offense. They sure. can score a lot in a little bit of time. The Vikings have, for, for whatever reason, I was just probably because there was nothing else to do. I said, screw it. Let's see if the Vikings make a game of this. So I kept watching. And then once it, you know, of course, hindsight's going to make me sound uh, smart. Well, we'll make anybody sound smarter than they were. But, you know, <laughs> at 36-14, I was kind of like, this is possible. Mm. I mean, the Vikings have a quick strike, explosive offense. They've had that kind of a season where they kind Not of Justin win all these kind yeah. of, yeah, they, where they kind of win all these kind of games. And you, you know the Colts are probably not going to move the ball well. If you watch the first half, the Colts don't have a particularly dynamic offense. Their best player, Jonathan Taylor, was injured earlier. Yeah, in the they game. weren't doing anything. The Vikings yeah. just gave the, the Vikings special could, teams pick six. The Vikings yeah. could have not puked over themselves. I've never seen a team in in all my years of watching football puke over themselves consecutively possession after possession like the Vikings did. It wasn't just oh we have to punt. Yeah. It was a blocked punt. It was a pick six. It was a fumble that led to an easy touchdown. I mean they just gave the Colts points. Mm -hmm. And so it's, the Colts hadn't really been doing much of anything anyway. Right. And then once you got to the point where they have this giant lead and up until the point where it was only a two-score lead, even when it was still a two, even when it was still a one-score lead, what is their offense going to do? Run the ball, make sure you don't turn it over. I mean, they weren't going to move up and down the field much. They were going to protect the ball and punt and make the Vikings, you know, get the longest field possible. I don't. I'm not here to break down Jeff Saturday. Everybody was just going crazy over what a dweeb Jeff Saturday is. I'm just kind of thinking, well, what what else is your team that you're going to do? Your defense wasn't defending a team coming back very well. And uh, offensively, I they just, yeah, they were just trying to protect a lead. So anyway, uh, as, it, as, it, as it got along, I think anybody could kind of sense that, eh, this is, it's supposed to be impossible. And I think it was 1,400 plus to one in the history of the NFL that any team had come from more than 30 down to win the game. Just the Bills. But yeah. if you were watching it, you just figured it was entirely possible. These are kind of the Colts. They're, they've got a lame duck coach, and they're not very good, and the Vikings have done this kind of stuff all year, and here we go again. It was And it was fun. I mean, it was really, it was really fun to watch. I, uh, on later that night, uh, I went over to my brother's house for a kind of early Christmas party. And the NFL Network showed the replay at, like, midnight. And we were getting ready to leave, so I didn't watch the whole thing. But it was, like, one of those quick, you know, I think they fast-forward through the commercials or whatever. Yeah. I got to see most of the comeback. And so it was kind of like, oh, okay. I guess this is what it would look like. You know, it was it was almost like the part, the more interesting part that I missed would have been how the Colts got their 33 points in the first place. Yeah. You know, I, I heard the block punt on the radio. I heard... Dalvin Cook had this long run and then immediately fumbled when it looked like the Vikings had a chance to oh, answer. Oh, there was a, by the way, there was a fourth and two or fourth and one or two near midfield that yep. they couldn't convert. Yep. Gave them a short field. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you look at the box score, it's like Colts are ahead thirty-three nothing and they have hundred and twenty yards of yep. offense. Exactly. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, that was a fun game. From beginning to end, it was just it was just wild. Uh, and then there's the Lincoln Keenold situation, one of the more interesting things, and kind of like a, a it feels like a kind of a first of its kind for those of us up here in in South Dakota, where we're we're still not used to a lot of 
I don't know, big, I would call it big time things like this happening. If Lincoln Keenholz had just never committed to the University of Washington, which still should be considered a big deal. We don't have a lot of power five quarterbacks in the history of our state. Uh, but if he had just, if he had just been deciding and on the fence and then Ohio State comes in and he committed, we would be celebrating this kid like crazy. Holy shit, I can't, we would all have the understanding that this isn't just the Gophers, this isn't just Nebraska in 2022. This is fucking Ohio State. Wow, that's awesome, kid. And I'm not going to say, I, I'm not, for those who are, are pissed off or think it's something that's, uh, everything that's wrong with college football or the system, that he changes a verbal commit, never signed, obviously, could, you know, he can't change the signing, to from Washington to Ohio State. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's great. It's a great topic. It's great for fodder. It, it's very nuanced. It isn't all black and white. And certainly uh, your, your friend and teammate in baseball, Augustana's baseball coach, Tim Huber, was just kind of uh, the, the spot where I started to go to to kind of consume and then, you know, throw, throw in my own opinions on this back and forth. Um, what, what do you make of all of it? Um, I think part of the reason people object to it is because it's Kalen DeBoer. You know, yes. he's kind of a, a, a local guy. We feel like Kalen's one of us. And it's sort of, how could you do that to Kalen? I think there's some of that is playing into it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure Kalen's upset. I'm sure he's disappointed. I feel bad for Kalen. Um, but are you going to tell me that Kalen himself isn't going to at some point uh, recruit a kid who's already verbaled somewhere else? He has to. Have yeah. to be able to, to do that, um, and NL, NIL is obviously a huge part of it. There are rumors out there that Lincoln got an insane amount of money in some other perks, and if that's the case, it's hard to blame it. And the other thing is, even leaving NIL out of it, um, there were rumors going around shortly after Lincoln verbal to Washington that Ohio State was going to be in on it because I think Ohio State knew their recruit quarterback was going to flip, which he did. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh boy. Kalen's probably going to lose Keenholz. Because why would, when you think about it, why wouldn't he choose Ohio State over Washington? Ohio State is in the, the very, very, very short list with Alabama, Clemson, Michigan. Those are the teams that are, you know, national championship or bust. That's it. Washington's a great program. They have won national championships. As of right now, they are not on that short list. They're on the longer list. They're one of the top 15, 20 teams, maybe 10 on a good year. Um, so you can't blame him for that. Then you throw in the fact that is Ohio State close to home? No, but it's closer than Seattle. And also, it's in the Big Ten. They will play Minnesota. They will play Nebraska. They will play Iowa. Those are games that his friends and family can go to to see him play. So there's that part of it, too. Um, so I don't, I don't object to him. I also was disappointed to hear it, partly because, yes, maybe I'm just a little old school and don't like the idea of kids flipping, but I think probably more so because... I'm tight with Kalen DeBoer, and, and I was like, oh, that sucks uh, that that's happened. Because also part of the reason, too, is like one of the things I love about Kalen DeBoer is he has gone on to these great places and continued to recruit South Dakota. You know, when he was at Fresno State, he offered Chase Mason, who's now at South Dakota State. You know, he hasn't gone like, oh, well, I'm big time now, so I can leave South Dakota in the dust. I think it's great that whether he's been at Eastern Michigan, Fresno State, Indiana, or now Washington, He's continuing to keep it. I mean, they just signed Zach Durfee, the pass rusher from, from USF, mm -hmm. who was in the, in the transfer portal. I think yeah. that's awesome. That's, yeah. And so that's part of why I was like, oh, that sucks that, that Lincoln's leaving and, and going to Ohio State. But it's pretty tough to blame him. And then you throw in the NIL part of it. And I think the NIL part of it is really what gets people's go, sort of. Yeah. 
and even I myself, you and I for years have been championing the, this is about the players, not the coaches, not the administration. The players should be getting some sort of compensation, whether it's paying the players or letting them capitalize on their, their name, image, and likeness, all that kind of stuff. We've all been like, this is something that is long overdue. Having said that, I don't think any of us envisioned or necessarily liked the idea that now players could just be bought. It's one thing to say, yeah, if you're going to put me in a video game or sell my jersey in the bookstore, I need to get a cut of that. We all agree that that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. But now it's just, oh, hey, we'll give you a million dollars to come here. That's not what it was intended for, and I'm less a fan of that. I'm not ready to say, like, this is terrible, this is bad, we need to walk it back. I don't know yet. We're still in the early stages of this entire thing, and I don't know what's going to happen. In the meantime, no, I don't like that. It's great for Lincoln. I'm not saying, like, I'm bitter towards him. Like, get paid, dude. It's your talent. You deserve that. Um, but I don't know if that's what's going to be best for college football going forward. I see a ton of pitfalls in it. I think everybody does. And that's just part of the thing that's unfortunate, that can a school like Ohio State just come in and say, hey, we'll give you X amount of money to flip to, to here. And it doesn't end with Ohio State, because let's say let's say Lincoln had originally committed to North Dakota State, which was on his list of finalists. Yes. So yeah, I'm going to NDSU. And then Washington comes in and says, uh, hey, here's some NIL money that North Dakota State can't match. And then he ends up at Washington. And then Ohio State comes in and says, here's even more NIL money. That's the thing people don't like. And I understand them not liking that. Yeah, well, I'm with you on the whole Kalen thing. Uh, and th that being a part that kind of tugs at people's heartstrings, how could he do Kalen like that? Uh, but don't imagine if you will take the money out of it uh which is really hard to do in fact that, that that's that's what i go straight to my ultimate point is about the money but uh and you summed up pretty much all the same things i feel about nil and where where it's at uh if he if there was no money involved and he had been committed to the university of washington and then all of a sudden ohio state it, by the way, Kalen should get. I mean, it, Kalen should get the credit. I don't think Ohio State ever hears of this kid or knows of this kid Probably. if he doesn't get. Uh, if he doesn't go to Washington, I don't know how these. It, it's amazing what what kind of personnel, what kind of resources and methods all of these college football programs must have to where somebody at Ohio State found out about Lincoln Keenholz because why would they ever look to South Dakota even if? By the kid, by the way, the kid's an alien. I mean, we just had we just had the kid from Harrisburg. Uh, go to Minnesota. He was really good, and his stats all added up to this is maybe the best we've ever had in South Dakota. Mm -hmm. If you ever watched Lincoln Keenholz, for and I, I saw him two full games against the best competition that he was going to see, T, which their defense was no joke, and they put points on the board, so he had the score. He's an alien. I mean, it's it, it, I've never seen a player where on third and 13 from his own five-yard line, his his coach has no qualms about him being halfway in the end zone because he can either run or throw a 95-yard touchdown at any point, and it happened. It happened in the state championship game. Uh, he's crazy good. Uh, so, but still, how Ohio State? How would Ohio State know about him? How did I they? I mean, he was they, on all the lists. It's not okay. Like he was a nobody. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying he was a nobody, but yeah, it's, this is what sometimes happens if one institution that another institution respects. Uh, offers a kid, they're like, oh, maybe that kid is good. Maybe we should take a closer look at him and go see what's going on over there because they, because Ohio State, as far as I know, didn't really get in seriously on Lincoln Keynotes until sometime in October when they But again, that could have been because they knew one of their guys was flipping. But uh, Right. So anyway, 
I think if you just if there wasn't any money involved here, you, you're you're committed to Washington. You probably had a good developed a good relationship with Kalen Bohr, I'm sure that was difficult. But Ohio, it's like a once in, a, in college football terms, it feels like a once in a lifetime shot. But now Ohio State's offering me to play there. I just don't know how you can't seriously consider it. I don't know how you can fault a kid for for taking it. Um, but then when it comes back to the money, you can you can have you can have every qualm about how crooked this all is. Your kid gets, and I, I heard a million dollars. Maybe it wasn't a million dollars, maybe it was a half a million. You reported that Tucker, you're at least able to report that Tucker Craft was offered six figures at Big Ten schools. Tucker uh, Craft had already proven himself as a college player. Yes. But, but yeah. I'm just, making, I'm just making the alignment here. He was a tight end at an mm -hmm. FCS school. Mm -hmm. And he was getting offered six figures to places in big-time schools in the Big Ten. You never were specific, and that's I respect that. This is a quarterback, and this is a this is a, a rising quarterback. But this is this is a million dollars. I, I I was it would have been jaw dropping two or three years ago. It wasn't when I heard. I don't think anyone to be a quarterback at Ohio State. I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone blames Lincoln or thinks he's a bad kid for doing what he did. Yeah. I think people just don't like that suddenly we're buying high school athletes. Yeah. And I myself, as someone who's always been very pro-player, get paid. They're the ones that drive the audience. They're the people we pay to see. They should get theirs. I, too, am at least a little bit like, maybe there's a better way we can do this. But to say, to, for anyone, I'm not saying just Tim Huber, because I like Tim Huber. This isn't personal. But to say that he is the one that's, he, that, that, you, that you wouldn't let your kid make that move. To decommit from Washington and then commit to Ohio State, I mean, may I, I I don't not believe that. I just would. I I don't think I could stop my kid. If it were my kid, he was 18 years old. And this is a real life choice to make. A from going to an elite institution like that at all, money well, disregarded. We don't, we don't know what Washington offered him and, in the first place. And, but. Uh, but and let's just say Ohio State offered him a lot more money which chances are they did, then in either case, money involved or not, it's just hard to say I wouldn't let my kid do it because he had already made a commitment. I, I don't know. Which I, I just, I, I would never disregard any parent uh, for allowing their kid to, to make this kind of choice and consider this a, a, any sort of moral crime to do so. Yeah, I don't think anyone really does. It's, okay. it's a kid's decision and you know, it is what it is. Okay. Good. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.